hello everybody welcome to the brain trust podcast my name is adam vass and i'm a tabletop game designer in grand rapids michigan my name is Willie Epps. I'm a tabletop game designer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Adam, look out behind you. It's oh. s- uh, spooky shit. Oh. It's, it's Tim Robbins. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, got scared. Uh, he's a scary guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking for Halloween, I'm going to dress up as an actor coming out as a Republican. <laughs> that's uh, kind of my thing i i was trying to tell someone my idea this week to be a medicine cabinet for halloween <laughs> okay <laughs> gotta hear about this so, so <laughs> uh your friend and mine trevor henderson mm-hmm. uh principal artist on campfire available now at braintrust.rocks kablam trevor posted a picture of a mask that he made a couple years ago and i was like oh yeah i guess like for halloween so many people want to be a character but there's something so good just about just about being a scary thing being myself i'm all fucked up for halloween so i was like i don't know trying to think of what i could do that was sort of out there and would be scary and uh <laughs> would be unique and for whatever reason, I landed on the idea that I could build effectively this thing that sits on my shoulders that was like a medicine cabinet, like a wood cube. Yeah. And then my face would be like a one-way mirror so I could see out, but other people would just see their own reflection. <laughs> and then it would have a latch or a clasp or a magnet or something so they could open the medicine cabinet and my face would be in there and it would be all fucked up. But there would just be like medicine cabinet stuff in there. Yeah, like, like a b- bottle of pills and some tooth toothpaste, like toe toenail clippers glued down or whatever. Yeah, you know, I think you've done two horrible things here. You have created the now sense that every time anyone who listens to this podcast opens a medicine cabinet, they might see <laughs> your face coming yep. out of it. Yep. I think that's I think that's really helping. And you've made a very scary costume in that you have glass very close to your face while you're wearing <laughs> a big fucking cube on your head like one of those TV guys I see online. You hear about these guys? The rest of my body would just be normal, I think, cuz there's nothing else to the costume. Right. You would just kind of set your head down in some place. I think that's a really good costume. Um, I mean, stands the fact that you have to carry a pane of glass in front of your face. On yeah, I what don't. Is the rowdiest night of all time. I don't know that I can just buy one-way mirror either. Like, do you have to have you like have, a permit for that? You have to buy it special from the policeman's union. I think is the way to get it. Yeah, cops and perverts are really the only ones who have access to this technology. I think narrative designers too are. They just can get the wholesale <laughs> stuff. For Halloween this year, I'm I'm kind of thinking the same thing you are. What scary thing can I get? That's not just like a character, but it's more like a concept or an idea. And I am going as what if the Joker could beatbox for Halloween. <laughs> um, I like it. I like uh, the... <laughs> Not not like you're not going as the beatboxing Joker, but you're going as the YouTube sensation 
the video what itself. If, what if the Joker could beatbox? And if you've got a moment, I would really check out the video. I did sing it to Seb the other day, and they just dropped what they were doing and looked at me with horror. So it's it's a costume that works for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm ter- I'm terrified even just to like picture it in my mind's eye. Even if I try and do it right now on the podcast. I do, yeah, I want. Yep, let's scare me. <laughs> Boy, so serious. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that is the beatboxing Joker. Um, yeah, I feel like good costumes this year. We could just go through them. I think uh, Fred Durst at what new look Fred Durst oh, would that's be a good, good one. one. Um. That's great. I think you could go as the Zodiac Killer, Gary, um, Gary, but the le- the letterbox comments. You go as a, <laughs> the letterbox profile picture of the Zodiac Killer. I was thrown yesterday for about basically since I heard to the end of the day that a part of history had just changed. Used to be, we didn't know who the Zodiac Killer was, and now we actually do know it is a some guy. Just the like the most plain person. I've been really enjoying the sort of meme format too, of, of just because he did live for quite a long time after his nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Uh, so someone will post like, "I wonder if the Zodiac Killer watched Nomeo and Juliet." <laughs> <laughs> like just the, the just the idea that this infamous historical monster, yeah, lived through, like Nobio and Juliet, like could have seen the Emoji Movie. Like, what if he had like grandkids <laughs> and had to go take his ki- grandkids to see the Emoji Movie? That's the Does, same person who made history by by slaying people. Um. Yeah, I really like that. You might have seen that um, on Facebook, there was a guy that just took pictures with Gary all the time, the Zodiac Killer, and would have these comments on them that'd be like, the comments would just insinuate that very clearly that this person had admitted he was a Zodiac Killer to some guy that looked like, just looks like your dad's friend, you know? Yeah. Um, And the captions would always be by dad's friend, and it would be like, uh, went to the cabin with the old man. Zodiac? Question mark. Had a great time. And all of the fucking comments would be like him just saying Zodiac? Question mark after everyone. So I think like I'm gonna just make that a habit. Every time I get tagged in a photo, I'm gonna say like I had a great time with Adam at Gen Con. Zodiac? Question mark. <laughs> I like, can't wait to see the new meeples. It's, it's, it's some Babe Ruth calling your shot energy, too, because, like, if everyone did that, then somebody's right. Right, exactly, yeah. Like, um, I don't I don't follow true crime at all. It is something no. I, um, you know, we don't have to get on this podcast, but I think it's very fucked up. And it's such that, like, I listen to a podcast to go to sleep every night. Um, not one singular podcast, but any podcast and the network I listen to all of the shows are either true crime or true crime adjacent. And I need there to be a clear 200 years between the event and now for me to (laughs) engage with it. 
Yeah, true true crime Vlad the Impaler episode. <laughs> this man, Vladimir, was a loving father who had a wife and three kids. And he turned out to have been impaling hussars this whole time. And we'll tell you just what kind of a bit trouble he got himself into right after this message from our sponsor. Uh, do you ever not know how to cook? And here's some food that we put in the mail. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's that, like, Zach Fox tweet that'd be like, um, everyone tweeting tweeting about, a, like, a white uh, mass murderer, and it's like a a dad with, a white dad with a jet ski and two kids and it's just like that's the photo that they use yeah and so just taking that framework to be like um i'm trying to think of a fun historical mass murderer now and i think you nailed it with vlad (laughs) but just a picture of like vlad throwing a frisbee equivalent just in some field it's got to be like a like a pinhole camera or a wood etching though (laughs) because it's got to be period appropriate Yeah, God. Um, yeah, and then, you know, going to visit the home is, is way more fun than, like, these true crime tours that you do. Right. That you do. That I mean, I back, do. back in the good old days, our killers lived in castles and under bridges and stuff, and now they're just in the suburbs. Uh, Jack the Ripper was a loving boyfriend and husband to six <laughs> kids. Um. You will not believe the crime that this guy got up to. Uh, it all started with that guy, Jack the Ripper. Anyway, I was talking about great Halloween costumes. You know, we got Fred Durst. We got Letterboxd, Zodiac Killer. I would like to be more than one skull. Okay. I wonder how I can make my head <laughs> into, into s- several smaller heads. I am sensing a fixation because you tweeted the other day, how many skulls do you have? <laughs> So I'm just going to draw a line between that and this conversation. Yeah, I think hive mind monsters are something I put in a lot of my games and a lot of, like, fiction that I like. Like, the idea that you can take one out and that there's still a bunch and they know everything. Yeah, um, that that's horrifying. Yeah, that's, like, one of the scariest things I can think of. So I am also looking at, I did buy at Target for, like, $2 this week, a pack of erasers, like pencil erasers. That are all skulls, so they're about like an inch and a half tall each. And I wonder, because they have a hole in the bottom, so you can put them on a pencil top. Um, I wonder if I could treat them like beads and somehow like make <laughs> a webbing of <clears throat> tiny skulls that I could like then wear. I like the kind of DIY approach here. Like, what do I got? What does yeah. Target have on sale? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not spending money on Halloween. I'm not going... I, I mean, I have. <laughs> I've bought decorations and stuff, but... For whatever reason, costumes are, to me are always like, I've got clothes. i got makeup. I can figure this out. I'm a pirate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was... Did you have, like, a costume that was particularly try-hard when you were a kid? Um, when I was a kid, I remember being WWF's Mankind. That was a good one. All right. Um, I don't really... Ha- I didn't have, no like, try-hard ones. Even the Mankind one was, like, a shirt from Goodwill that I stepped in the mud with. And mm-hmm. a, a dirty Mr. Sacco that I made with a Sharpie. Um, I did have the officially licensed plastic mask. <laughs> um, 
But I can also just think of like when my mom sewed me a dolphin costume. That was that was probably a top tier. Yeah, there's always one like that, right? Yeah, like for me, that was my mom made a paper craft Spiro the Pokemon costume. Spiro. Spiro. I think I gave my mom a list, and Spiro seemed the most doable <laughs> on the yeah, list. Yeah, I think on the 151 list, that would be not a high rank for costume choices. For, well, for making costumes, yeah, Spiro, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's three blotches of color. Um, for wanting to be, that's one of the ones that's just a little bird. Uh, that does That's make one me think of the many little bird Pokemon. There are ma- so many Pokemon that are just a person, like a yeah. person-shaped Pokemon, that it would probably be really easy to be them now. Just wear a cheerleader costume and boxing gloves and you're Hitmonchan. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Um, Yeah, I'm actually going as uh, Machop for Halloween. <laughs> I'm painting myself gray to be Machop. I'm going to be uh, Drowsy. <laughs> So uh Drowsy is good. I'm just going to be naked and fall asleep. I for some reason remember that Drowsy was like the most popular Pokemon on Pokemon Go in Boston. So whenever I hear Drowsy I'm like, oh, I kind of miss Boston. There's lots of Drowsy <laughs> around." Uh obviously Mr. Mime can't forget that. Yeah, the true Mr. and Mr. Rhyme, the new evolution of Mr. Mime. Yeah, the There's top a of baby the morning, Mime motherfucker. Yes. Just want to put that out there. Hey. There's a baby mime. Uh, on a serious Halloween note, tell me about this zine. Telling me about the Good Luck Press Halloween zine bundle goodie bag. Hey, available right now is the Halloween zine goodie bag where you can get three zines plus extras from Seb and I at Good Luck Press. Um, we have some killer shit. It's 20 bucks USD, so it's impulsive, right? Uh, you get a goodie bag. <laughs> With three zines, you can find it at goodluckpress.co. Um, it should be right up there. Um, Seb's got uh, two zines in there. One is a uh, Infinity Fold uh, Tetraflexagon Lament configuration from Hellraiser. Um, yeah, that is. I, w- I was gonna buy it no matter what, but when I saw the Lament configuration, I was, I like hurried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like. It's an infinity fold zine, meaning that like it's an origami fold that you can just continuously go through. But the framework of the game itself is that you are creating your own Cenobite with it. Whoa, very cool. Yeah, um, I'm working on a zine called "I Contain Fear." That is a hack of roll for shoes. If you're familiar with that game, where you start with nothing and then you roll to see if you have shoes on, and you kind of build your character out from there, and it's a game. A freeform horror game where you just make scaredy cats uh, by filling your fear thermometer. Um, so you, at the end of the game, you just have a uniquely terrified person, which I think is <laughs> at the end of most of my favorite genre of movies, which is the worst night ever. Yeah. Um, and the, finally, we got the practice of haunting, uh, which is a um, kind of expansion from Seb's previous uh, zine, How to Write a Ghost Story, where you. Uh, work to make a ghost story along the lines of a fictional spiritualist named S. Pines. Um, and that one's super cool. And we're going to be throwing some extras in there, stickers. I thought of an, a mini zine to make and throw in there. So pick it up. Uh, it'll start shipping uh, the week of the 18th. Um, so you'll have it by Halloween. 
And yeah, it's a really fun thing. Their response has been really cool. That's goodluckpress.co, and it'll be there. Yeah, hell yeah. And you've got a Halloween bundle on itch. Yeah, I kind of forgot, honestly. <laughs> well, you got it. Sorry, I, buddy. You got it. I've got one. Uh, that's worldchampgameco.itch.io, and I compiled most of my explicitly horror stuff. So you got Cobwebs, my conspiracy horror uh, game for one to five players. We've got Hell Cabin 1 and 2, which is a Evil Dead-inspired um, GM-less almost party-style horror game where yeah. things just get bad and worse. Um, Trunk, my play while you're driving and the passenger facilitates the sort of choose-your-own-adventure game. Um, I can't actually what a, remember what else is in there. Oh, 13, my hereditary story game that came out last October. And Minimum Rage, my Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if they worked in a comic book store uh, kind yeah. of comedy horror game. They're all pretty cheap. You get like seven games for 25 bucks. So that's at uh, my itch page. And the reason I forgot about it is because I spent this week uh, working on Candy Teeth to get that out on time. Just uh, my brand new cherry flavor inspired kind of body horror, violent magic story game. Uh, it's jaw dropping. Jaw dropped. <laughs> my jaw <laughs> dropped. Um, I'm so pleased with it. I'm very pl- obviously. I think it's a very visually stunning thing. Uh, it's a card game, but it comes in zine format because of production in 2021 realities of the world but i'm gonna ship it the same week that you're shipping the uh the old zine bundles so hell yeah uh, get both that's available at worldchamp.io probably now well i don't know in this this week for sure hell yeah uh and while you're at it pick up the game of the year edition of this discord has ghosts in it um, that will be shipping in November, and we hope to get the uh, updated, revised, and expanded rules by Halloween. But if it doesn't happen, you're hearing about all the shit we're doing. So, you know? It's always, yeah, this is it. This is what it is to make games, y'all. This is the Super Bowl month, and sometimes the Super Bowl is another month long. What is scarier than October? It's November. You know how after the Super Bowl, there's no football for like six months? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice (laughs) wouldn't that be nice if there wasn't another super bowl in two months yeah it's weird how uh here's how the kind of like heat map of tabletop games you have october which for people like us is huge um then shortly after you have zine quest which is usually a complete teeth pulling experience to prepare for and to (laughs) to do stuff on it is extremely intense for the comparative little money (laughs) there is and uh then you've got like the prep to gen con at this point like and in between uh halloween and zine quest of course is the december holiday season and for those of us that have to do retail distro and like pop-up markets and stuff it basically just means I can't write for two months because I have to hustle. Yeah. And, like, I enjoy that stuff so much. I enjoy tabling and getting to share stuff, but, like, damn. 
Damn. Yeah, so, you know, just keep that in mind or something. This isn't really a PSA. We're just reminding you that we're human beings. Yeah. And so are you. Probably. You're a human, too. Hope so. <laughs> oh, hope so. Some of you are medicine cabinets. Uh, Zodiac? Anyway, had a great time with the guy at the farm. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and then do the show more. Great. just want to my pivot or my suggestion was talking about stuff that doesn't hurt so much i feel like that might be a segue <laughs> from what we were just saying of like yeah sure making a zine making one copy or like use using the same art that is your product to decompress it's hard yeah we'll probably leave this in because i feel like that was a great way to put it yeah um I just had the conversation with Seb today that, like, things like Houseco, which is a custom tarot card project, I used to use as, like, a decompression from work when my full-time job wasn't making games. Yeah. And now it's harder to engage with. Just, like... Big time. Yeah. that That's something weird that I don't know how to fix. So, just last week, I put out four skulls. That is... That... Like, a year ago, that would have been something I did on a Saturday in one day. I printed it myself. It's I drew it all with pencil. Like, it's scrappy, but it's fun, and it is it is what it is. I must have spent, like, three weeks working on it now because <laughs> it's, I'm it's so, so burnt. Fun, and because all I do is make game stuff. And I, that's such a bummer. But then this week... I was writing uh, my horror, my Shudder movie recommendation zine. And I did find a lot of pleasure in that because it's not something there. like, I don't know. One, one, it's not about games. And I think mm. I haven't written about not gaming in quite a while. So that was really fun. And I kind of got to like walk through these movies that I really like in my mind and like kind of revisit them uh, in thought. But yeah, there's something to making a zine or yeah, there's that blurry line between like, when is this a product and when is this something that I really enjoy? Um, and I've done since I moved this summer, like a few, like I will make one copy of a zine with pen and give it to somebody and like not yeah. scan it and not like, <clears throat> it's just one and done. And that still feels rewarding um yeah it's kind of like how do i make something that i still have control over that's not a product i think that's like what it's coming down to me like music is a good excuse for that but i'm working on a music commission project which means that like i'm holding different things in my head for that so it hasn't been music recently and i think like cooking takes up some of that like it's something that one other person gets um, and I have control over what's going on and I can learn about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like it's a control and who it's for thing. 
And I think there's an extent... I think curiosity is a big aspect of it. Yeah. Like, making a movie zine, I get to think about movies, why I like them, how I would describe them to someone. And that feels like I'm exploring this curious part of myself versus a game which I start with the intent of, like, I'm writing this for someone else to be able to play it. So it has to be written in a particular language or style. Even though I think a lot of my older games, especially when I wasn't full-time, do come from that curiosity of, like, what if this game had one stat and it's anger? And I'm like, cool, I can kind of follow this snowball and it's fun. Four Skulls started that way. Like, what if I made a game where the rules text changed as you played it? Um, this sort of obvious metaphor for the player characters changing their environment as they explore. Mm -hmm. But it just felt grindy at a certain point, and it just felt like I had to finish. And then, you know, to some extent I did, because it was for Patreon. I was on a timeline to get the money that I needed from that project. And so I I finished it on time, but, like, yeah, it kind of... It didn't have that same satisfaction that writing something like uh, this horror zine or like when I wrote No Game and it was just like prosy and yeah, it skirted around games, but in a more kind of emotionally present way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I think, I feel, sorry. I think that's what uh, I'm getting at is like the not it's, it's not like the dilution of self that kind of inherently takes place in creative output it's yeah. kind of like the um respect or like admiration of self at a certain point that's making these projects feel good right i th i think it's something based on like production schedules too because you know like the time that you would spend during the day like absentmindedly typing into a google doc while you should be doing your job yeah it has been flipped around, so I know that, like, I have to, like, either work on this freelance stuff or, like, work on an existing commitment for something rather than just idly typing into the thing. And I find that now it happens when I, when I'm done working for the day, I do not touch my computer anymore. And if I have any ideas, I will go to my notes app and just fill it up and then just to get it out to, to approach later. Yeah. And I find like that exercise of just spontaneous game design is really important in keeping me engaged with it. And it can be this kind of broad strokes, like here's an idea, here's a sketch for a mechanic, here's like a narrative piece without having to make it sellable feels really good. And I don't know if there's something I can do with those, but they definitely help me crystallize ideas later. Originally when you were talking about like, doing something in a Saturday really miss that kind of design with something like, I don't want to say a game that I've been talking about for years at this point that I want to do <laughs> and is on the schedule to do, but it's like, wow, maybe I could have done that on that day. But you know, I'm just because of the margins have to be just so much more rigorous with my time. And I can't spend my recovery time from work making a game. It's a little funny, too, because now that we are, like, circling around it, uh, this year painting has kind of come back as my relaxation creative exercise. Nice. Whereas even 
a year ago when I was in the full swing of developing Necronautilus, so much of that work was doing illustration. And so the sort of like notes app game design was my relief. So the pendulum swings for me. Um, I'm definitely writing more now and then art becomes the release. And in theory, a month or two from now, I'm going to be doing a lot of art for Cyber Metal and maybe writing will feel like that release again. They sort of swap places. Like yeah. you were saying with music, like normally that would be a relief, but now that it's work adjacent, like something kind of falls into something that was uh, work might actually be that comfort activity now. Yeah, I find like when I. I'm trying to read a lot more because I'm gonna just going to be writing a bunch forever now. So I just have to be reading more to learn about the different types of words and combinations I can use and different strategies for words and kind of just tactics and things like that. Where the good words start on a page and where some end, right? Yeah, that's which, kind of how which word could kill another word in combination. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. And don't get me started on these combinations of words. Don't even called, start. Don't even fucking start on that kind of shit. Um, yeah. I find that, like, right now, something I like doing is playing every video game in a series. So I'm doing all the Dishonored games right now. I did the all the Resident Evil games previously. I've never done... I don't think I've done that with any video game series. I kind of... That's interesting, because obviously they are related and especially with resident evil you get such a broad range of things that still carry that title yeah for for the resident evil ones to be clear i did the four games within the new re engine which is resident evil 2 remake resident evil 3 remake i played seven and then village seven is the one that's like in the bayou and it's really scary (laughs) it's the one that's really (laughs) scary uh, and that felt great. I It's great because I can just like feed my game design brain while actively passing time playing a game. And any notes that I have just go in my phone. And I can like engage with myself but faking it kind of. Because like I'm not going to use this note for what is now an idea of a horror survival horror campaign game. I don't know if that will be something that is even playable in three years. Like, who knows? That's a giant game. But And now with Dishonored, it's because I couldn't play Deathloop. So I was like, oh, I'm going to play about as close to Deathloop as you can get on this planet. Um, and now I've got a ton of cool stealth ideas and a little mechanics and stuff. So I you think, can't turn it off, yeah, but that- you can like filter it or channel it. That's me with my sort of movie marathon thing that I've been doing this year. I'm at nice. 136, I think, now out of my goal, which was 150. You're going to make it. I'll probably make it this week. I'm going to see, <laughs> Hell Lam- yeah. I'm going to see Lamb tomorrow. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but yeah, I did hear a review on TikTok of it. <laughs> I need to get there before it invades TikTok. Yeah. Hur- hurry up. Um, but yeah, that's sort of... It's research. It does sort of cultivate that attitude of creativity and inspiration and all that. But 
it's also recreational and it is sort of escapism. Um, it, it checks a lot of boxes. And I have also yeah. noticed because I've always liked movies, but I've never, t- I guess, been so intentional about it. Just how much sort of media enrichment it's offering me of just like, here's how stories work. Here's what makes a compelling character. Even though I'm focusing in horror, there's so many like sub styles yeah. and different flavors of horror that you can really still, I, I was making fun of myself when I started. Cause so many of my friends do this with books of like, I'm going to read 30 books this year and movies don't necessarily feel as challenging in that way. <laughs> They're definitely not, <laughs> but having done as many as I have, I I'm noticing I'm getting a lot of the same kind of satisfaction from it. And there's, these movies, they've got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes in these movies, the city is somewhat of a character. You know, the killer, they might be a metaphor. They a m- lot of these things I'm seeing, I think they're metaphorical. Oh no, the killer. He's escaping. <laughs> He's escaping. Well, the killer escaped. Uh, well, that kind of hard derailed my. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I was think. done. I was done with that thought. No, I, yeah, it's good. I mean, movie's that's, good. Movie's good. Taking in other media, I would quit if all I did was read and play role playing games. I can't remember the last time I read a, a game, and I've been getting so many good ones in the mail, and they go in my read stack. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at mine right now. I don't even approach it because to some extent I've compartmentalized reading as part of my work. And so when I'm done at 5 or 6 p.m. or it's Saturday afternoon and I do have time, I I don't engage with it. I don't engage with the text. Yeah, it's um, that's why I really dig this kind of like archaeology gaming where you play an old weird game like gamma world or ad and d is the one i'm on now where part of the play session is just as a group trying to read and understand and get inside the rules and that's really fun um but there is this thing where editing a role-playing game is really good to do as a game designer like because you get inside of like Okay, here is something that happens all the time when you edit a role-playing game. You see rules text, and you've read the entire game, and you know what it's about. But you see some text, and you know the designer's intention, and what you are supposed to do here. And you see what the designer wrote, and you see what the effect on play is. And you see what you might consider the wording of the rule. And you kind of draw this line and find a point between them where the rule should exist. And be as because like at some point rules are like the truth of the game right if you want to get really high about it (laughs) um (laughs) and it's very cool to see how my own style continues to develop while editing other people's rules um that's something really cool i wonder if there's like a cool exercise to do about that like I think it's something we talked about a million years ago on this podcast, but like writing the rules to a game that everyone understands already, like tic-tac-toe or checkers or something. Yeah. um, It's funny 
because I have been doing this a little bit as I read new games is I'll try to write like a one page rules summary. Um, so most recently I did this with Tim Hutchings weird horror, which is sort of an obtusely written zine. It's the one, uh, it's the game that was found that I was talking about last episode. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's written in as if it was a document from 60 years ago, um, which is part of its charm. But in trying to kind of boil down how it actually worked and what I was getting out of it, I opened my notebook and I wrote like one page of here's how this game works without any of the sort of flavor text or examples or anything, just sort of, you know what you would put on the end papers of a hardcover or something and doing that. And like, obviously a lot of games do that for you. Uh, Mark Borg's whole rules are in the end paper. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a cool challenge and it does sort of highlight in the same way as editing. I mean, I, I have the finished product at that point, but like it, it's the same concept. Like, yeah. Yeah. Diagnosing the things that are important to me as a player from this lens of me as a designer through this sort of presentation that someone else wrote. I think that's cool. And it does help me a lot with sort of informational hierarchy of how games are written, because that's something I struggle with, especially with story games. Just like, what's the most logical sequence I could explain these rules in that feels intuitive instead of like just a, a block of rules yeah, I, that's why like playtesting feels like so important for story games because mm-hmm. it helps you figure out rule sequence more than like do the kissing rules work. Right. You got to know when the kissing rules come into play. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it just feels like that is practice. Like that is such good practice. I think that we we as game designers get lots of... Um, intervalic practice for like how to start writing a game, how to finish writing a game, how to lay out a game. And none of it happens with enough frequency that our muscles get really big. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Cause even like approaching cyber metal, one of, one of the things I do when I write a big book like that is I write the table of contents first. And yeah, but the last time I've done that was in January with babes in the wood. And that game is a lot more straightforward than maybe Necronautilus, which was a year ago. So, like, yeah, that's not frequent enough that I'm in the zone. So Cyber Metal feels like I'm doing it for the first time, even though I've done it for a couple years. And you, we simply don't have enough time in the day to practice each one of the skills that we need to do every day to do our job. Like, we can't write alts for marketing text every day. That's just not possible. But like Uh, for things like rules writing and just narrative writing, that's something. And for me, it's layout too. like seeing candy teeth as a great example of like, whenever I think I got something going on, Adam will put something in and be like, "Mm, they've got something going on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great because I, you know, I've learned so much about layout in the last few years that I can now see how things happen. Like, I just getting inside it. So, you know, spending that time doing layout practice and studies is extremely helping and getting the time just to write each day 
I haven't done in a while because, you know, the fall is a nightmare, like we've talked about. That's True. why they don't play football for months after the Super Bowl. <laughs> they, they swear off of that shit. You think they enjoy playing football? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and just, you know, keeping that muscle strong so it's not like you have to ramp yourself up when you need to write a project. You just, um, you know, have the wheels meet the road. The rubber meet the road. I don't care what shape the rubber Room. takes. <laughs> <laughs> Torque, baby. Uh, yeah. To- uh, well, okay. Torque is back from edit, uh, and I am next week going to work on implementing the last edits and getting into layout and then getting it printed. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, in completely unrelated news, my next zine quest is going to be so chill. <laughs> it is going to be really really not even a game i think yeah i was not going to do one but i'm almost inspired by how chill it is to do one on a similar scale i don't know if i so, trust myself to do it on that or like to approach that scale because okay, let's challenge ourselves to do it then i'll say what mine is yeah. and now we can be radically accountable i'm <laughs> going to make a zine Wow, this is scary to just announce. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. My PR, my publicist is nodding. Um, this is why they don't play football. Uh, it is a zine of different game over screens you get during playing an RPG session. And so each spread is a unique game over screen that you can just flip to when your character dies or you fail a mission or whatever during an RPG. So it's like adding this kind of video gamey element. You died mission failed thing in a fun narrative forward way. Love it. And it is something that is like scopable as much as you want. Like, yeah, it could be 12 pages. It could be 30 pages and it's good. And I don't have to invent a genre of game. To There's make. not even necessarily mechanics tied to it. If you don't yeah. want to, I think that's the ticket. Yeah. So I, that's what I'm going to do. Um, it's going to be fun and it's going to be easy. That's big. And it's going to clear up space so I can do a big project um, later in the summer or something like that. I feel like I need to call a shot, but I don't even have a, just an you're inkling. gonna do it <laughs> one shot uh, one shot an episode um you'll you'll come up with something good i just have fully thought about it for a week straight every day so i, th- I think it's set. yeah that's the that's the barometer for us yeah i had something i wanted to do but i think with this new idea that i don't want to bring new systems and games to zine quest because they don't do as well comparatively right um so i'm gonna do stuff with that i wanted to do like a another step in the um a guide to casting phantoms in the revolution i have a cool idea about a game that can exist in that world that's more trad more osr um but i'm just gonna make that and put it out so that's a different thing that's cool i i think i mean it's too early i think for predictions and goals maybe for the year yeah. Um, cause I would like to do, I said this last year too. I would like to support old stuff better. Um, 
I got to finish the second issue of Stellar Remnants that's been written and is just waiting for me to do the art for. Um, yeah. I would like to do I'm... something like that that's maybe more broadly appealing and system agnostic for Zine Quest. Like, here's a dozen landscape paintings that might like have a in in universe like poem or prose and that's it and they're like story hooks kind of they're they're not like functional maps i guess but they would function in that same way of like when you see an a hex island and you're like i want to go to the volcano yeah it's like going through the super mario 64 castle and looking at a painting and being like well i'm gonna hop in there yeah yeah, I think that would be fun. That would I, be rad. I think, too, that's where I enjoy that sort of brain flex and art flex is, like, setting stuff, like setting microcosms. So you could use this as, like, a planet thing for Necronautilus, but it could also be uh, spheres in Troika or it could be stations in Mothership or whatever, just sort of kind of ambiguous but flavorful imagery. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. That's that's, that's my first uh, that's inclination. Cool. I really just want to do like a zine of paintings with no text or very little text and how I could pitch that as game content. <laughs> yeah, I think the closer for these like non-systematic things, just saying like, this is just some cool shit. You would buy this at a zine fair for sure. Yeah. Not everything needs the utility of 95 Morkborg skull shapes. Yeah. Even Tome, which I did in the first Zine Quest, is like some of the entries in that, which is like system agnostic fantasy stuff. Some of the entries just are a drawing. That's great. Here's just a bummed out person at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of them. Or like, here's an Iron Maiden. Use it. Do whatever. Here's the fuck. Eddie. Here's <laughs> Eddie from Iron Maiden. <laughs> Here's how I would make Eddie in five E. Eddie stats five E. Eddie is a <laughs> warlock. <laughs> Undead warlock. Here's an interesting question. Is Eddie the patron of Iron Maiden or is Iron Maiden the patron of Eddie? I think Bruce Dickinson is absolutely <laughs> the true power. Some kind of yeah, cosmic, like, yeah, absolutely. And Eddie is like, you know how in games you have like a persona that is your larger than life avatar for something? Mm-hmm. I think Eddie is the grimy little monster that summons Bruce Dickinson to just <laughs> do his thing. This is our, this is a good supplement already, too. Yeah. Uh, who would you want to be for like early heavy metal? Who is your fighter? Who um, would you pick? It's the knife sticking out of a toilet from the Ride the Lightning Metallica <laughs> shirt. So good. Metal up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're they're a rogue. They are stealthy. They can get into places that you wouldn't expect, such as a toilet, and <laughs> hey, or your asshole. <laughs> And, yeah, they come equipped with a blade already. Um, they seem like they could do some some damage. That would be a fun one. 
uh, also, I think <laughs> I would just, uh, just like uh, real life Ozzy Osbourne would be a really fun character. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to eat bats heads off to like gain strength. That might work its way into cyber metal. I think actually, you know what? <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say the like weird triple, um, ultraviolet warriors on the cover of paranoid or par yeah paranoid that's that those guys seem pretty cool yeah dang i there's a lot here and and i do, I, I almost like want to avoid going further because i'll get hooked. <laughs> yeah I, sorry i did want to make last like winter i was thinking about making a paragon hack uh about like old metal stuff oh that's cool like anthrax would be you know an alchemical kind of like poison god and then you would have something like slayer that's just like more brutal like whips and chains kind of shit and so using all these prototypical metal bands as kind of like archetypes of magic and violence and you just are the metalheads that worship them like that's cool as fuck yeah, you get the Thundermancer from the Band in DC Bad Brains cover. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's some, like, Wizards and Waste energy, too. Like, what if we just had, like, the game was just record covers? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that feels like Swords Without Master kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I think you could probably incorporate playing music from the albums, too, as a part of the play of the game. Before the, our call, I was working on the Candy Teeth playlist, and that was actually going to be something that I came to the show with, of, like, how can listening to music be an active play? Uh, and that is really compelling, especially, like, these old metal albums have really strong kind of RPG-adjacent already imagery in yeah. the artwork. But then when you add the lyrics and the guitar solos and shit, like, you're really there. Oh, my God. It's like a deck builder. So, like, you're like, oh, I'm taking the solo from uh, fucking Ride the Lightning and the lyrics from Paranoid and the album cover from, like, uh, fucking Electric Warrior or something. And that is... Those are three cards in my deck. And now the... The like metal eagle from the Judas Priest record is attacking your party, like, yeah, and it's tight oh, as that's, fuck. <laughs> that's actually really cool. Yeah, I bet there's something too. I wonder if this is like a mini game you could play in a record store. Like, everyone picks a column of the used bin, and the records in your column are are things you can do in this, like. Because, I, I, you know, you don't want to overstay your welcome. You don't want to uh, impose on the store that this takes place in. But unless you have a friend who's like a deep trader or a deep collector, that's where this game could live in, like, true I, glory. I th- you remember that game that you scanned barcodes in the grocery store and got a little monster from them? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so you go to a record store with your friends and just take pictures of records that you want to use in play. And that's like your drafting phase is going to the record store and finding whack shit 
to just whip out and then you play a deck builder like narrative card game thing with the pictures that you took Damn. of the records or the lyrics that's really cool i like the idea too because like in the used bins you always find something that looks absurd but you've never heard it yeah so like going home and pulling up that record on youtube or something would be this other like exploratory act of play but yes, then you yeah, also you're get like to listen researching to your yeah i think that's really cool well uh, we snuck uh-oh. it in at the end here <laughs> oh well thanks for listening um we're playing football year-round here on the Brain Trust Podcast. Adam, where can people find your shit? I'm at worldchamp.io for the hub. That's where you're going to be able to buy candy teeth in print. It's where all my games exist in print. And it'll link you to worldchampgameco.itch.io for my digital stuff. And at WCGameco on Twitter for reminders of the things that are happening. Um. And pentagram city, pentagram city is still the cyber metal preview link that is going to go live someday. You better, I, you, you know, the best way to, to know is to follow it because I don't even know. It's uh, an ARG when it will release. And the clues are all there, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> and I had a great time this weekend. Zodiac? Um, yeah, that's the kind of hub world where all of the Adam content is accessible from. Uh, I'm Will. You can find me online at Will underscore J-O-B-S-T. I put up my shingle again today, but for all of y'all, if you have a project that needs editing, be it for ZineQuest or a personal thing, or you just want to take your manuscript to the next level, hit me up. My DMs are open. If you're on the Brain Trust Discord, uh, just hell yeah. If you um, listen to this podcast and hang on the Discord, I give 30 minutes for free to anybody on any kind of consulting for editing or game design or publishing or whatever. Make use of that as Inquest is coming up. Um, It's for anybody that needs it. Uh, The Halloween scene bundle is available at goodluckpress.co. There you can also pre-order this Discord has ghosts in it. Uh, Campfire, you can pre-order that at braintrust.rocks. And... We're getting really good at plugging. Like, we've been doing it for fucking years <laughs> yeah. at this point. But yeah. it, I just, like, my eyes roll back, and I'm seeing, like, the rainbow dimension and just pulling different <laughs> products down to talk about. Um, we're here. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> yeah, come hang on the Discord. Uh, we're, we're playing Smash. Sora's going to come out soon, and that's going to be the start of a new era where people are going to play less Smash because of how much <laughs> I am playing Sora. Um, not because I like Kingdom Hearts, but because I love Mickey Mouse. All right, everybody. Brain emoji, handshake emoji. Handshake emoji.